0: The Rocky Mountain Review for Thursday, November 12th, 2020. I'm your host, Coda Babcock. And I'm Ivy Winfrey. And you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins. Once again, happy DJathon! If you want to make a donation to support KCSU and Rocky Mountain Review, visit
1: KCSUFM.com slash donate. On today's show Newscaster Ellie Shannon and I will be updating you on campus and local news, and then we'll be hearing from KCSU Sports Assistant Sports Director Jonathan Gillum.
0: After that, we'll be talking to Ty Davis about COVID-19 and the local music scene, and I'll be delivering some national news after that. Then we'll hear from Liz Good about virtual art studio tours.
1: To conclude the show, Cuddle will be giving some updates on COVID-19, and I'll update us on the strange things happening in the world. Let's move right into campus and local news.
2: Ellie Shannon here, and you're listening to KCSU's weekly newscast. We're on week 12 in the semester, which just means that Thanksgiving break is coming up. Just a reminder that all classes will be held remotely once break starts until spring semester in January. CSU's sustainability program was once again named one of the top in the country, scoring first place in doctoral institutions, first place in curriculum, and third place in public engagement. CSU ranked above Stanford and Cornell Universities, just to name a couple. CSU has continued to rack up sustainability accolades over the years and plans to continue to do so. CSU and the Colorado Climate Center have been helping the ski industry with new climate data. Ski resorts are battling droughts due to climate change and have to take into account snow depth, avalanche mitigation, and overnight temperatures. Katie Courage reported on CSU's college news page that now the Climate Center team has been informed by their conversations with the ski industry managers. The team is going to start working to create a dashboard to bring together key weather and climate forecasting. This will be tailored specifically for winter mountain recreation businesses. So in other words, get ready for the ski season. Colorado's Governor Polis extended the mask mandate another 30 days starting on November 9th. Colorado is experiencing its highest rates of infection and hospitalization due to the virus. But according to the Coloradoan, Governor Polis said the state is on its final sprint in the COVID-19 marathon, as promising vaccination news came on Monday. Just a reminder to tune into CSU's football game Thursday the 11th at 6 p.m. The Rams will be taking on Boise State. Also, make sure to tune in to KCSU for the Rocky Mountain Review, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 4 to 5 p.m. Thanks for listening. I'm Ellie Shannon, and you're listening to KCSU 90.5 FM.
1: Thanks, Ellie. And now it's time for local news. Again, I am Ivy Winfrey. Um, Two Fort Collins high schools continue to experience COVID-19 outbreaks this week as the list of schools with reported cases continues to grow in Poudre School District. According to Sadie Swanson at the Coloradoan, Rocky Mountain High School and Fossil Ridge High School are currently listed as as schools with ongoing ongoing COVID-19 outbreaks on the district's online coronavirus dashboard. Because the number of unrelated cases at these schools qualifies as an outbreak, the county health department will closely monitor any additional cases at these schools through mid-November, according to the district website. The Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment defines an outbreak as two or more unrelated positive coronavirus cases in a short period of time. The state recommends schools shift completely to remote learning when there are five unrelated outbreaks, two per classroom, or a total of 10 cases within a 14-day window, according to PSD's dashboard. Rocky Mountain High School will continue to be monitored through November 18th, and Fossil Ridge High School will be monitored through November 19th. The outbreaks at both schools were initially reported last week. Rocky Mountain High School has one COVID-19 case that is under investigation, with five total cases reported since the school's first case was detected October 21st. The most recent case was reported November 4th, and affected classes have shifted to remote learning while the district and county health department work to identify close contacts of the individual who tested positive, according to the district website. Fossil Ridge High School has had five new COVID-19 cases reported in the last week that are currently under investigation by the Health Department, bringing the total number of cases reported at the school to 16 since October 30th. During the assessment period, the effective classes have moved into remote learning. No additional outbreaks at PSD schools have been reported in the last week. Outside of cases reported at Rocky and Fossil, there were 20 positive and presumptive COVID-19 cases under investigation at 10 different district schools as of Monday afternoon. Larimer County Department of Health and Environment officials still do not recommend the two uh, high schools move to remote learning, according to the district. Drug uh, maker Pittsburgh announced encouraging results in early tests of its COVID-19 vaccine trial, indicating the vaccine was more than 90% effective in uh, preventing the virus. Pittsburgh will seek emergency authorization of the vaccine from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration later this month. The company plans to manufacture enough to immunize 15 to 20 million people by the end of the year, according to the company. Promising news of a vaccine comes as Colorado is experiencing its third wave of COVID-19, which with infection rates at their highest and COVID-19 hospitalizations surpassing the state's previous April peak, the state health department announced Friday. The state hit its highest number of daily reported cases on Wednesday when nearly 3,300 cases were recorded in one day across Colorado. It marked the first time more than 3,000 daily cases had ever been reported in the state according to the State Health Department, which has been recording COVID-19 cases since March. After its own spike in COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations, Larimer County announced it would increase restrictions to promote social distancing last week. Polis urged Coloradoans to buckle down in the coming few weeks by avoiding social interactions outside of their households, washing their hands, and wearing a mask. He said flattening Colorado's curve in the next few weeks is especially important if people would like to have more holiday gatherings. And that's it for campus and local news for today. I'm Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. We'll be right back.
3: Hi, I'm Shannon, also known as DJ Luna on 90.5 KCSU. I love KCSU because it has taught me public speaking skills and audio production skills that I hope to use in my future as a journalist. If you want to invest in futures like mine, join Club 905 by signing up for monthly payments of only $7.50 by calling 970-491-5278 or by donating online at kcsufm.com backslash donate.
4: Good afternoon, everyone. It's Jonathan Gillen for KCSU Sports and your sporting news. We're about one week away from the NBA draft, which is going to be November 18th, which is a Wednesday. Stay tuned for more information about the NBA draft. We'll also be breaking it down on our shows as well as podcasts. For more information for that, of course, please refer to our website. Also, the NHL is still hashing out the season at this point. We don't know whether or not they'll set an official date yet. We'll continue to monitor that. And once we receive official word, we, of course, will release that word to you as soon as we hear it. Next, the NFL season continues to chug along, dealing with COVID issues, dealing with extreme testing to prevent any COVID outbreaks, and lots of teams have been rescheduled. So once again, I'm going to send my, of course, public service reminder that if you're a big NFL fan, please be on the lookout for your team at any time. These schedules can change, and, you're, and all the headaches that can come with change. So just be on the lookout for that. Also, your local Denver Broncos fell last week, unfortunately, 34-27 to 27 to the Atlanta Falcons, dropping to 3-5 and five on this season their upcoming matchup will be against the las vegas Raiders, and that game is tentatively set for 205 mountain standard time now moving on to college football your csu rams are playing boise state tonight the rams look to move to two and one after beating the wyoming cowboys last week and bringing home the bronze boot next some local I think exciting news for many of us, many of us know there is this giant sports park that was being built in Windsor. We've been hearing delays and and this and that. Well, I'm here to tell you that guess what? We have locked an exclusive interview with one of the co-owners of that complex, which is called the Future Legends Complex. Look for it. Next week, we'll be airing the interview for everyone to hear if you're missing that deep dive into sports, please check out our website, kcsufm.com. We provide sports shows, podcasts, articles, all things sports. For KCSU Sports, I'm Jonathan Gillum, and I'll catch you next time.
5: That was Jonathan Gillum. You can, with sports, you can, as a reminder to our audience, you can donate to KCSU DJ-a-thon by heading to kcsufm.com slash
4: donate. Now, Ivy Winfrey.
1: Here in the studio with us today is Collegian reporter Ty Davis, here to talk with us about his articles discussing how the local music scene has been impacted by COVID-19. Ty, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Um, so I understand a lot of the local venues have been forced to close or reduce their capacities due to COVID. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about how the local music industry has been holding up?
5: Well, that's a bit, bit of a tough uh, question. And as I, I guess I should first clarify hey, that for a period of time, all of them uh, were forced to close. Um, as it stands right now, well, um, some are choosing to remain... He enclosed. While some are are uh, choosing to reopen with limited capacity, he but otherwise, is the general sentiment in among those I have talked to is um, that you know, while things are headed in a better direction, is for the most part, it's still not in good standing.
1: Um, would you be able to tell us uh, about what the impact has been on uh, local artists and bands? What well, well,
5: from what, what I can say, a uh, obviously a not as many there haven't been any uh, re- really big performances, and a lot of bands have uh, not performed uh, as of late. A, uh that changed somewhat right, with the holiday twin in drive in in uh, putting on outdoor performances. Is in addition to the lyric and uh, that's it with the Aggie Theater, are opening up for limited capacity venues, but um, I would say yeah, the general attitude among most artists is hopeful. Well, uh, a lot of artists have used this time to focus, on their music, to focus on project, and so for the most part, or most artists here in Fort Collins have uh, taken the situation in stride and have not been idle.
1: Um, so I understand that since there's not a lot of live music right now, uh, artists have been forced to move to other possible venues digitally. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about that?
5: Um, I wouldn't, I would not say, um, that they, I, I, I think the question is a bit of a, uh, a misleading thing. So, um, well. Well, some artists have uh, done live uh, performances via uh, live streaming. Um, uh, Many of the ones that I've talked to have not. uh, They just don't feel like it's a uh, viable platform for one reason or another, whether it just doesn't um, mesh well with their genre uh, or they just do not uh, uh, care for the uh, format or they he preferred the audience feedback heck um some artists i've talked to like chess uh chesabreckfest uh did find um moderate hit um positive feedback heck with it but i would say for the most part her uh while we have this expectation uh for artists to jump on uh live streaming platform, A lot of local artists, uh, for one reason or another, have not actually uh, gone through with that.
1: Um, And finally, uh, do we know how the local music scene is going to look after COVID is over? How good is the recovery looking?
5: It's tough to say. One of the biggest issues uh, with this situation is that we just just don't have a lot of concrete um, predictability for the future there's not a lot uh, that's set in stone um part of the problem with talking about what the future is going to look like is we don't know what the near future is going to hold for us as we're not sure if we're going to go back into full, full lockdown which w- is going to require here uh venues that are, are operating at limited capacity to close those uh cases here in uh colorado who are spiking so while uh, some have said hey, that's not going to ha- happen, it may very well be a possibility. Um, as of right hey, now, even once we reach a post-Covid status, as many of the people I've talked talk to have said, hey, that it's going to be a uh, slow going for a little. <clears throat> sorry, for a little while. Oh, we've already lost um, Hody's half minute. Pinball pinball Wounds two. Uh, to uh uh venerate it at venues here in Fort Her Collins and uh we may he possibly he lose more. Or it's uh it's all up in, in the air. That's what makes this situation so frustrating. And we just really don't know what the future is gonna hold, but it's uh worst case scenario, best case scenario. So it's going to be uh, a little slow going as we come out out of COVID. it uh we're obviously going to have, have fewer venues than we did before uh there may be some reluctance to open a venue to replace those spaces that may be a bit of reluctance to get back to uh the performance and the capacity he would hit before or for one reason or another her venue who's may um, choose to forgo local little acts uh, for bigger acts. There's just a lot of up in the air right now. All right,
1: that's all I have to ask for now. Ty, thank you so much for joining us today.
5: Thank you for having me. We'll be right back.
1: Support for KCSU comes from the Alpha Center,
2: located directly across campus, serving the CSU community. When life happens, help us here. For confidential testing and education, learn more by visiting thealphacenter.org.
0: Today we are going to be speaking with Liz Good, the Visual Arts Coordinator for the City of Fort Collins. Liz, would you mind introducing yourself for me?
3: Yeah, I'm Liz Good. I'm the Visual Arts Coordinator for the City of Fort Collins.
0: All right, can you briefly tell me about when virtual studio tours are available and how someone could access them?
3: So they're online now. It's at SEGov backslash studio tour. And so there's a selection of artists and links to their websites and social media pages.
0: Access to the arts has become a challenge during COVID-19. How do you think putting studio tours online will help connect artists to the local community?
3: There's just so many limited opportunities for artists to be able to contact members of the community right now so this creates a resource for members of the community to go and learn about a different a lot of different artists and to be able to contact them on their own if they're interested in learning more about their artwork or purchasing something.
0: What kind of artists are involved?
3: There's a whole variety of artists there are um, painters and 3D artists.
0: All right thank you. Why did the city of Fort Collins choose to move towards online rather than working with physical restrictions that are in place?
3: Um, because the studio tour How's is this? actually hello? something hello? that yes, takes yes, yes. a long time to plan, and everything has just been so unsettled. Hello? and hello, just hello. Don't know Can you hear me, from Thomas? One month mm-hmm. to the next, okay. how things are going to be going, um, and just it was the safest bet to be able to make sure that it would keep the artists safe and also community members safe because the way that the art tour typically functions is that people come and visit studios, which is a lot of unpredictable number of people all arriving at different times throughout the tour.
0: What do you think some other benefits of doing virtual tours
6: is?
3: Well, yeah, it is. It's something that people can learn about the artist from their home. They don't have to go out and travel. They don't have to be available the weekend that our tour typically is. And this has also given us the opportunity. So usually the tour is a three-day weekend in September, um, but we launched the virtual tour that weekend, but we're keeping it up through the end of the year. So people can look for holiday presents or other opportunities that they want to buy something special for somebody or connect with an artist, longer resource
0: what other plans does the city of Fort Collins have for connecting local artists, whether it be musical or visual to the Fort Collins community?
3: Well, so we, um, the visual arts department at the city of Fort Collins um, runs the Lincoln Center gallery and also the art and public places program. Um, so um, even though the Lincoln Center isn't open to the public, we have uh, exhibits up by appointment Um, so ongoing art exhibits that are free to the public and then also through art in public places we hire artists to create artwork for the community to enjoy and we have various mural projects that are going on right now which is an opportunity to help artists during covid and employ them we had a special project this year which was the barrier murals on the the concrete barriers that extend the seating in downtown and um We hired artists to paint murals on there in partnership with the um, downtown creative district and the engineering department. And it was actually funded through the Jason and Lucy Greer Foundation for the Arts, which is one of our supporters for the physical studio tour typically. So we were able to extend that relationship and find other ways to help support artists in the community with them.
0: All right. And then before we go, do you have anything to add about the city of Fort Collins specifically related to the visual arts?
3: Um, Just that <laughs> I mean, our goal through the public art program is to have art everywhere. And a lot of our more um, commonly known projects are the transformer cabinets and the painted pianos that you can find everywhere. But there are also projects in parks and in most city buildings, and it's a great opportunity to learn about um, different aspects of the city. A lot of the projects have educational messages, and there's more information about all the art on our website, which is fcgov.com/artspublic.
0: All right, thank you so much, Liz. Yeah. Again, that was a discussion about studio art tours going online with Liz Good, the Visual Arts Coordinator for the City of Fort Collins. We'll be right back. Right, so call us after the show to let us know what your favorite thing about dj a is at 970-591-5278. Again, that's 970-591-KCSU. Donate to KCSU This dj a by visiting kcsufm.com slash donate.
3: Hello.
4: Hey, so I'm having some trouble with my streaming service. Please
6: select from the following options.
4: Can I just talk to a person? Sorry,
6: that is not an option. Please select from the following
4: options. <sighs> Seriously? You call? No, no, not you. I'm just sick of robots, and I just want to listen to some music. You know what?
6: This is DJ Silent G, and you're listening to
0: 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins, operated by actual human beings. So far, we've heard local and campus news with Ivy Winfrey and Ellie Shannon, as well as some updates with sports and a Q&A session with Ty Davis, an article he wrote with the Collegian. Please remember that if you want to donate to KCSU for our biannual DJ-a-thon, you can do so by visiting kcsufm.com donate. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is National News Highlights for Thursday, November 12th. A federal appeals court has ruled that the admissions process to Harvard University shows no evidence of discrimination. According to Jacqueline Diaz at National Public Radio, Students for Fair Administrations, or the SFFA, filed the first lawsuit in this case in 2014 based on discriminating practices specifically against Asian American applicants. The FSSA has announced plans to continue the suit up to the Supreme Court, despite both the lower court and Boston Appeals Court being unable to find statistical evidence of discrimination in the administration. In this admissions process. Yeah. One strate- strategist be- behind SFFA, Edward Bloom, said he has plans to request that the Supreme Court ban race consideration in admissions, according to a statement to National Public Radio. Businesses in New York are facing additional restrictions as COVID-19 cases rise. According to David K. Lee of NBC News, New York is limiting indoor gatherings and private residences to 10 people starting Friday at 10 p.m. All establishments with liquor licenses will be re- also be required to end dine-in services at 10 p.m. Takeout and delivery options are still going to be allowed past the new 10 p.m. closure time in New York City. Restaurants in New York City are also now at 25% capacity for indoor dining. Amidst these new restrictions, the New York State Restaurant Association is calling for Governor Cuomo to use targeted restrictions rather than broad restrictions that will include regions that are not currently hotspots of COVID-19. President-elect Joe Biden has announced a potential plan to name his longtime aide, Ron Klain, as the future White House chief of staff. According to Alana Wise of National Public Radio, Klain previously served as Biden's chief of staff when he served as vice president alongside Barack Obama. Klain supported the Obama administration through the Ebola pandemic or epidemic, and Biden's decision to name him for the position may come from his focus on moving the United States past the coronavirus pandemic. In a statement, Biden... Biden said claims, quote, deep, varied experience and and capacity to work with people all across the political spectrum is precisely what I need in a White House chief of staff as we confront this moment of crisis and bring our country together again, end quote. That's all for national news highlights. I'm Koda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on KCSU Fort Collins. If you missed any part of the show, be sure to check out our show on kcsufm.com slash news for the full recorded episode. We'll be right back with proposition explanations and some highlights from Live and Local's Maddie Erskine interviewing musician Twin Rivers. CSU students! The University Center for the Arts, which houses music, theater, dance, opera, and the CSU Marching Band, produces more than 250 events per year. Student fees cover tickets to any performance at the UCA, so it's no charge for students to attend. For more information about performances and special events, or to reserve your ticket, visit CSUArtsTickets.com, that's CSUARTSTickets.com.
1: The election is coming to a close and Colorado voters in 2020 voted in favor of quite a few ballot measures. We at KCSU have prepared a series of segments devoted to discussing the future impact of each of these ballot measures. Today we'll be discussing the purpose and possible impact of Proposition 113, also known as the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact Referendum. Proposition 113 is a referendum designed to enter Colorado into the national popular vote interstate compact. An an interstate compact is a contractual arrangement made between two or more states in which the assigned parties agree on a specific policy issue and either adopt a set of standards or cooperate with one another on a particular regional or national matter. Interstate compacts are adopted by states to ensure cooperative action between the states with regards to specific policy issues. The National Popular Vote Interstate Compact is an interstate compact to award member states' presidential electors to the candidate that receives the most votes nationwide. The NPVIC, as it's also known, is set to go into effect if states representing at least 270 electoral college votes, the number required to win the presidency, adopt the legislation. If the compact goes into effect, Colorado will give all not, all of its nine electoral votes to the presidential candidate winning the most votes nationwide, often referred to as the national popular vote. With the compact not being in effect, Colorado's nine electoral votes go to the presidential candidate receiving the most votes in Colorado. The reason the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact exists is to effectively give states who enter the compact the ability to circumvent the Electoral College, which at present moment can allow for a presidential candidate to receive less individual votes but still win the presidency. Critics of the Electoral College have said that it circumvents democracy and effectively results in people's votes having unequal sway over the presidential election depending on the state that they reside in as well as effectively negating the votes of some voters because the rest of their state voted for an opposite party. There have been five presidents in U.S. history that have won the presidency despite losing the popular vote since the popular vote started being counted in 1824. John Quincy Adams, Rutherford B. Hayes, Benjamin Harrison, George W. Bush, and Donald Trump, with all but Adams being decided by the Electoral College. The Electoral College is part of the U.S. Constitution and thus would only be able to be removed through constitutional amendments, which are significantly difficult to pass, being only possible to ratify through two-thirds of the Senate or two-thirds of the state legislatures. However, through the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact, as long as states that join it have a combined power of over 270 electoral votes, they can effectively enforce the popular vote to be the determining factor in presidential elections rather than the electoral Electoral College by requiring their electors to vote for whoever wins the popular vote. So what exactly does joining the compact mean? Well, nothing quite yet. As of this month, the NPVIC has currently 15 states as well as the District of Columbia signed on to it, and in total that represents 196 electoral votes, or about 73% of the electoral votes needed to reach the 270 electoral votes needed to win the presidency. Theoretically, were the NPVIC able to reach the requisite number of electoral votes, they could render the Electoral College useless compared to the popular vote. But there have been challenges to the legality of this compact. In Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 of the United States Constitution, also known as the Compact Clause, it reads, quote, No state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay any duty of tonnage, keep troops or ships of war in time of peace, enter into any arrangement or compact with another state or with a foreign power, or engage in war unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay, which in this specific case means that states cannot enter into agreements such as the NPVIC without the approval of Congress. However... Legal observers have noted that states are granted power by the Constitution to decide whomever receives their electoral votes in any fashion they deem fit. Additionally, multiple Supreme Court cases have determined that not all contracts between states are subject to congressional approval. In the Supreme Court case, Virginia v. Tennessee, the court found the compact clause requires congressional consent only if the agreement among the states is, quote, directed to the formation of any combination tending to the increase of political power in the United States, which may uh, encroach upon or interfere with the just supremacy of the United States, end quote. This leaves the constitutionality of the NPVIC in an uncertain position. It will most likely be decided by a future Supreme Court case. The passage of Proposition 113 won't be changing anything anytime soon, but it represents Colorado's willingness to join the effort to decide the president by national popular vote. Information for the segment was gathered from Ballotpedia in nationalpopularvote.com. I'm Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. Up next, we have an interview with the musician Twin Rivers, so stay tuned.
6: 90.5,
7: 90.5, KCSU Fort Collins, why do you call yourself Twin Rivers? Okay, that's a tricky one.
6: So my last name is Shriver, which when I was younger, people would ask how to spell it, and I would always say, well, imagine you're trying to ask a river to be quiet. And they said, <laughs> what? And I said, shh, river, even though it's not pronounced river. <laughs> and I used to think a lot about how I've always felt like a very dual person, multiple duplicitous is that is that the word for it yeah um and I've like thought a lot about that over the course of like writing music and so I thought well my last name has river in it we've got two warring sides of myself right and I thought twin rivers sounded pretty um I found out pretty recently that my sister's name when she made music was uh river bird and she assumed that I used her as a reference, but I never even thought of it that way. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, and then my good friend Nicole recently asked me if I was called Twin Rivers because when you listen to my music, you cry two rivers from your eyes. Which <laughs> I like that. I think is way better of an answer. So I'm just going to start saying that. That is how I that. look
7: listening to your music. Wow, thank you. Honestly. <laughs>
6: Absolutely. That's all I want.
7: Yeah. So when did you first start writing songs and how do you feel you've grown as a songwriter? Honestly...
6: Even when I was a kid, you know, obviously I wasn't four years old busting out, um, cry tunes, but I loved to make up songs just about things around me or like for school projects and stuff, I would take pop songs and put lyrics to them that were about the thing we were learning, like purple snails in my history class. And then it obviously escalated from that, luckily, um... I only seriously started putting stuff down once I started learning instruments, which started off with the ukulele, as it usually does, I think.
7: Yeah, I think Um, think that is a lot of people's jumping off point. Oh,
6: absolutely. It's like a super convenient instrument to play. Four strings is nothing. Chords are pretty easy. It's amazing. I still have a lot to learn about it, and I've been playing it for four years now.
7: How long have you been playing guitar for?
6: technically i've been putting guitars in my hands and plucking the strings for like eight years yeah i've only seriously started working on it in the last like year ish
7: i think that's how a lot of- i had guitar lessons when i was younger and i didn't really actually play until more recently yeah it's really tricky <laughs> learn
6: my sister played a lot when i was younger and i was always so envious of that and she moved out she left one of her guitars behind and it sat in my room For the last five years that i lived at home and every single day i looked at it and i was like today is the freaking day i'm gonna pick that guy up i'm gonna google some chords i'm gonna learn how to play it and i did not like a few times (laughs) i figured out how to do the meow mix theme nice um that was about it oh my god that's
7: hilarious
6: yeah yeah who are some artists that have inspired you oh um that's really tricky uh when i was younger i listened to a lot of paramore Um, And I think to this day, Haley Williams is still one of my biggest music inspirations because her vocals are insane. She's incredible instrumentally, and she just writes about really honest stuff. I also dyed my hair red for like four years because of her. That's funny. Um, And then more recently, like the last um, few years, Mitski has been a really big one, um, which I think most sad indie girls find themselves identifying with Mitski at some point in their lives. But she's just incredible um like she's another one who's just so like open and raw and the stuff she writes about I feel like any song of hers that I don't already identify with at like a specific point in my life like it always ends up coming around eventually like something bad will happen I'll listen to a Minsky song I haven't heard in a while and it's like oh man she already knew she already
7: knew she was predicting yeah I think your songs are very emotional too so I see how that is an inspiration for you yeah big time yeah Is there any um, other, like, artists that you just want to, like, channel in to your music?
6: Um, Yeah, I, the reason I wanted to play guitar when I was younger, other than my sister being very cool and playing guitar, um, was uh, I listened to Shaky Graves a lot when I was growing up, and he used to play, like, like, nowadays he tours with a band most of the time, but Um, He started off doing, like, one-man band stuff, like guitar, a little beat on him, a little tambourine, whatever, what have you. And um, he managed to make, like, these insane, insane guitar moves. Um, Like, every song I heard of his when I was younger, like, drove me more up the wall because I was like, I can never sound like this, but my goodness, if I don't at least try. Um, And that's, like, his stuff also just, again, feels really, like like, raw. Like, when he's mad, you know that he's mad. And when he's, like, not feeling good, you know he's not feeling good. Um, And his stuff is just so unique, and, like, every album is so different. I love that he's able to, like, create so many different versatile sounds with, like, all still sounding like himself and still sounding really good.
7: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, our next song is Leave Me Alone. Um, If you want to talk about that a little bit, what inspired you to write that? And then, yes, switch instruments. Oh, yeah.
6: Um, So, this one um similar to actually so 3 of the songs that I'm playing today out of the 4 um are about scorned ex-lovers, you know. Yes. Uh which is I think what most of my music is about at this point. Um which sometimes I feel silly about, but I think like you write about what you know and when you experience. Exactly. Like, mm-hmm. heartbreak and difficult situations. Um but leave me alone is actually um about a pretty uh tumultuous relationship I was in. Um that ended up like being pretty scary by the end. And I actually wrote that one while I was still seeing him. Um, And it was just kind of like a, uh, I just, I wanted to feel mad. And when I initially wrote it, it was kind of sad. It was pretty soft and and a little bit lighter. And I just played it over and over again, like all night, um, kept changing up the chords, trying to find what was like not connecting. And one of the run throughs, I just got so angry and really ripped it and yeah. I ran into my roommate's room and was like, dude, I finally found it. Yeah, this is it. Um, so that's how that's how she was born. It's
7: beautiful. Yeah. OK, um, OK, so you share very emotional parts of yourself with your music. It's absolutely beautiful. Um how has singing about your experiences helped you process and grow from them?
6: Oh, honestly, I think if I didn't have music as an outlet, a lot of what I've been through would still weigh on me like so much more heavily than it does. Like genuinely, it's like my like top of the line coping mechanism. Like, yeah, I go to therapy. I talk to my friends. I read. Um, I, I do the regular things. But um, I think being able to to let it out in that way um just like helps me take control over what happened um yeah absolutely feel like like I can like tangibly put it behind me or put it somewhere else
7: yeah kind of like instead of it being like sitting in your brain unprocessed it's like processed in in a song
6: (laughs) yeah like it's not something that happened to me it's like something that I made happen into something else
7: exactly (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's really a eloquent. very beautiful way to look at it. Do you have any advice for other musicians who are trying to express their more vulnerable
6: sides? Um, honestly, like, the thing that I've found that's helped me the most um, as far as, like, when I've been able to write my most honest um, while also being, like, palatable music mm-hmm. is... Um, Something I love to do when I'm writing is instead of getting down lyrics first and then figuring out the melody and writing accompaniment and everything is just picking a chord progression and running with it and then just, um, you know, thinking about what I've been thinking about and then I sing over it like once, two times, three times, however many it takes to get something good. Um, Sometimes I have to piece together a few different recordings and sometimes it all comes out at once, but I find that when I let my brain just like spit stuff out um it usually helps me get to more like open and like sometimes like ugly thought processes rather than when I try and think about it too much and like write it all out and make it make sense
7: yeah most definitely um what song do you feel like out of your music that you kind of like did this the most with um honestly
6: I think the two that were the most um like just I think they were both both of them are just the first takes um is uh, Tweakers at My Job, which is mm-hmm. one of my favorites because it's so silly and it's such yeah, a mess. I've
7: heard that one. It's very, it's very silly. <laughs> I like you. it a lot.
6: It's also like kind of a bummer, but it's probably the least bummer out of all of my yeah. songs, so it's got that going for it. Um, and then uh, F and Rat is yes. another one that's just and really... And you're playing
7: that up after, after we finish some questions here, which yeah. I'm very excited to hear. It's a very beautiful song. Thank
6: <laughs> you. I'm excited to play it.
7: Yeah, absolutely. So what message... Do you want to get across with your music and what effect do you hope to have on your listeners?
6: Um, I mean, like, ultimately, I I love music and I've always loved music. It's always been, like, my thing and something that's been there for me. Um, and I have been impacted a lot by music and, and it's helped me get through a lot of stuff before I knew how to get through it myself. Um, and I want to be able to provide that for other people, I think. Like, I I, I want to make something that's both, like, for me and and true to me and helps me figure out my own stuff. But more than anything, I want, like, even just one person to be able to hear my music and feel like it's done something for them. Yeah. Um, like, the first time I played live after the show, um, I actually, I played Effing Rat at that yes. one. I made a bunch of punk kids cry. It was, like, a lifetime achievement, honestly. Oh, I'm sure I would have been crying right <laughs> along with them. Um, and this gal came up to me afterwards and... She thanked me for writing it and asked me if it was on Spotify. I said she had a really specific playlist she wanted to put it on and I was in that moment I was like, "Man, I I did that." Yeah. <laughs> like that she needed this in this moment or like she'll need it another day and that's really beautiful.
7: We can, we can bond over this forever. Um, yeah. You are truly amazing. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Is there anything else that you'd just like to let listeners know before we end our show? Thanks
6: for tuning in to KCSU. I'm working on a bunch of new music right now that'll be out on Spotify and Bandcamp and Apple Music. I'm Maddie Erskine, and thank you for
7: listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.
6: Flowers bursting yeah mm-hmm.
0: That was Maddie Erskine's interview with Twin Rivers for Live and Local. To hear the full interview, including the songs that they were all talking about, head to kcsufm.com music slash in-studio. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is the COVID-19 update for Thursday, November 12th. Colorado State University has a reported 919 cases of COVID-19 since May of this year, and daily new cases are currently rising. Larimer County is currently facing a high-risk score for COVID-19, meaning that cases are rising rapidly, with hospitals beginning to be filled. There have been 42 new positive cases in the past 24 hours, and five days in the past two weeks have seen over 10% of tests come back positive. Every single day in the past two weeks has seen a minimum of 15 cases per day, and Lerner County's 14-day case rate is now 533 per 100,000. There are 57 COVID patients in county hospitals, which will be maxed out at 65 COVID patients. Hospital usage is at 73%, and ICU utilization is at 66%. Colorado State University and Larimer County are both facing sudden spikes, and in order to prevent these outbreaks from growing, we all need to continue wearing face masks, washing our hands, and keeping social distance. If you are able to work from home, even some days of the week, it is recommended by officials to do so. In the state of Colorado, there are over 142,000 cases statewide and over 2,400 deaths among cases. Colorado's spike is continuing, unlike minor spikes the state has experienced in the past few months. Colorado's front range is a hotspot for COVID-19. Nationwide, there are over 10.4 million cases of COVID-19, with over 142,000 reported yesterday. There are over 2, 2, 000, or 241,000 deaths, with over 1,400 reported yesterday. In the past two weeks, cases have increased by 69%, deaths have increased by 36%, and hospitalization have increased by 37%. The Northeast U.S. and Southwestern U.S., including the Navajo Nation, are all experiencing a large amount of deaths as of Thursday. The United States is seeing nearly 2,000 deaths every day, forcing previously hesitant governors to begin considering and enforcing mask mandates. Iowa, Utah, and Ohio have become the states most recently choosing to consider mask mandates for public health purposes. Information for today's segment was gathered from Colorado State University, Larimer County Public Health, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, the New York Times, USA Today, and the Centers for Disease Control. Masks, hygiene, social distancing, and avoiding unnecessary trips outside the home are the best options currently available in preventing the transmission of COVID-19. For information on how and where to get tested, visit Larimer.org and navigate to to the COVID-19 updates tag at the top of the page. The site also includes information about traveling during the pandemic, contact tracing, and the most recent press releases related to COVID-19 from the government. That's all for today's COVID-19 update. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. We'll be right back with Weird News.
1: again, my name is Ivy Winfrey, and sometimes we need to get a little bit weird. So here's a few of the weirdest stories I've heard today. Microsoft is now warning Xbox users against vaping into their new Xboxes, according to Daniel Van Boom at CNET.com. The new Xbox Series X was released Tuesday, and videos began emerging on social media of consoles overheating and spewing smoke through vents on the top of the system. People began to quickly question whether the videos were fake, and a Spanish-language Twitter account called Xbox Studio, which is not an official Xbox account, showed how the smoky effect that people were claiming to be caused by overheating was more likely being achieved through blowing vapor smoke into the console. Xbox Studios' debunking video was retweeted over 3,400 times as of Wednesday, of course leading to a few folks trying their own DIY Xbox vape. In response to the trend, the official Xbox account tweeted on Wednesday, quote, We can't believe we have to say this, but please do not blow vape smoke into your Xbox Series X, end quote. Aaron Greenberg, head of marketing for Xbox, tweeted in agreement, saying, quote, Put down the vape and pick up the controller, end quote. A Japanese town has deployed robot wolves in an effort to scare away bears that have become an increasingly dangerous nuisance in the countryside, according to writers at Reuters.com. The town of Takikawa on the northern island of Hokkaido uh, purchased and installed a pair of the robots after bears were found roaming neighborhoods in September. City officials said that there has been no bear encounters since. Their sightings are at a five-year high, mostly in rural areas in western and northern Japan. Japanese broadcaster NHK has reported this. There have been dozens of attacks so far in 2020, two of them fatal, prompting the government to convene an emergency meeting last month to address the threat threat they pose. The so-called monster wolf robots consist of a shaggy body on four legs, a blonde mane, and fierce glowing red eyes. When its motion sensors are activated, It moves its head, flashes lights, and emits 60 different sounds, ranging from wolfish howling to machinery noises. Machinery maker Ohaseki sold about 70 units of the robot since 2018. The real Japanese wolf roamed the central and northern islands of the country before being hunted to extinction more than a century ago. Takikawa city officials said that bears become more active and dangerous as they search for food before going into hibernation in late November. A decrease of acorns and nuts in the wild this year may have driven the animals to venture closer to towns in search of sustenance, according to local media. That's all the weird news I have for today. I'm Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. We'll be right back
3: hello
4: hey so i'm having some trouble with my streaming service please
6: select from the following options can
4: i just talk to a person sorry
6: that is not an option please select from the following
4: options. <sighs> seriously you called no no not you i'm just sick of robots and i just want to listen to some music you know what
0: this is dj silent g and you're listening to 90.5 kcsu fort collins operated by actual human beings
1: Now for the weather.
0: Over the next few days, we're going to be seeing warmer weather. Today was windy with a high of 43 and a low of 20. Tomorrow will be warm and sunny with wind speeds reaching 6 miles per hour with a high of 50 degrees and a low of 35. Saturday will be pretty cloudy with about a 10% chance of precipitation and winds reaching up to 25 miles per hour. The high will be 46 with a low of 26. Sunday, the sun will come back out and winds will slow back down to 9 miles per hour with a high of 45 and a low of 29. Monday is going to be bright and sunny with about the same wind speeds with temperatures ranging from 32 degrees to 56 degrees. Tuesday will bring some of those clouds back in, but with overall warmer weather, the high will be 59 degrees with a low of 38. And winds are just sticking, uh, wind speeds are just sticking around 6 miles per hour. In for Wednesday. You'll have to tune in next Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the Rocky Mountain Review only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.
1: And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now.
0: We'd like to thank Thomas Taylor, Asher Corin, Stephanie Keel, Hannah Copeland, Addison Lambert, Griffin Hamm, Jonathan Gillam, Ben Krueger, Ben Haney, Dixon Lawson, Peter Walk, Taylor Sandal, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you.
1: And I'd like to thank you, Coda.
0: And I'd like to thank you, Ivy.
1: And finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you.
0: And with that, we'll see you next time.